Don't miss out on the latest news and events in your community. Visit StarLocalMedia.com today. Sign up for our newsletter and stay informed on all the latest stories affecting your neighborhood. And if you're a local business owner, let us help you reach your target audience with our effective advertising solutions. Visit StarLocalMedia.com and take the first step towards staying connected to your community. Welcome to another episode of the Star Local Media High School Sports Podcast. My name is Matt Welch, being joined by Devin Hassan and David Woolman. It is 11.15 on a Monday, and probably best of all, it's sunny out, <laughs> which is something that was very absent from our uh, our softball coverage last week, um, as it was, uh, it was just all sorts of chaos with, you know... Uh, Dates and times and venues, everything was just thrown into a uh, into, fl- into a flux by the uh, by the rainfall. And Devin, you were telling me earlier that I guess what Saxy Softball didn't wrap up their uh, their game Friday until just before midnight. Yes, the ten twenty eight start time. Goodness. So that was not in the books because <laughs> they had to move it to I guess to a venue that was already that already had a series in progress, and then that same series had to play a third game. So yeah, they got started uh, quite a bit later than expected. Um, but yes, it was. Um, but we were able to, you know, keep up with it all. We were out and about covering uh, the first round of the high school softball playoffs, and that is a, um, you know, what that's a good spot to pick up with because the uh, the first round is in fact in the books, and we uh, we have uh, let's see, we've got some games that we can uh, mull over and now uh, just try to make some sense of. So yeah, guys, um, I know obviously we talked last week, kind of previewing some of the things that we were looking forward to heading into the by district rounds. So now that it's all said and done, what did we learn from it all? Was there anything? I mean. Did it basically meet our expectations? Were there any surprises? Let's um, yeah, let's just kind of rehash some of the uh, some of the takeaways from that by district round of the high school softball playoffs. Um, Devin, let's start with you, man. Um, just which part of your coverage, Jerry? Wherever you want to go. Um, just um, what was um, what were just some takeaways from that first round of the softball playoffs in your neck of the woods? Uh, you know, a lot of things kind of held the form if you if you look at seating. Uh, I'll, I'll touch on a couple teams. Uh, number one, Saxy, who I brought up mm-hmm. last week. I wanted to see, uh, you know, how their offense would fare. Um, and they certainly, I guess, Tyler Legacy team that I think they were favored to beat. I mean, just basically, if you look at the two um, pedigrees of those uh, teams this season. Uh, but again, the, the aforementioned uh, midnight affair on Friday, mm-hmm. uh, Kayla Oldhouse actually stole the show on the mound. You know, I talked so much about their offense last week, but she struck out 14 in seven innings. Uh, and then, and then Madison McCleary came back and pitched uh, in game two and did a good job giving up two runs over six innings. Um, you know, Madison McCleary again uh, did, did did her part at the plate, you know, three for five, two doubles and a home run, four RBIs with the two games, uh, watched her a couple times. Um, you know, so they, they took care of business. Really interesting to see what they do this week now. Uh, they played Brian, mm-hmm. uh, who – Basically dominated Waxahachie in their two games. They outscored them twenty-two to three uh, in the sweep, uh, thirteen nothing in the final. And uh, they have a player that I've seen pop up on certain things on Twitter. Uh, Jessica Adams, their pitcher. Uh, I, I looked up some of her numbers: twenty-two and five, uh, two hundred sixty-six strikeouts in one hundred sixty-five innings, and eighteen home runs at oh the plate. Uh, she hitting, does it all, hitting four fifty-three. So. Um, 
you know, just really curious to see how they handle uh, that pitching, that, that offense against that pitching, because they don't run into that many dominant pitchers in that district, and mm-hmm. they didn't against Tyler Legacy in the first round. So uh, in their non-district, they ran up against some really good pitchers, and they handled themselves well. They, I, I mentioned last week they only got shut out once all season long, uh, but this is probably going to be their biggest ta- uh, challenge to date. Uh, so interested to see that one. Uh, and then Frisco Memorial. Uh, first ever playoff appearance, first ever district title. Now you add first ever playoff win as they sweep Just Wiley one East. One milestone after another. It's, uh, yeah, I mean they got a really nice game from from Maddie Mueller in the in the opener. Uh, she struck out nine, allowed only three hits, mm-hmm. and they won the they won three to one. Uh, Sarah Overholzer, uh, you know, struck out nine in six and two thirds innings in game two. Game two got a little bit scary. They were up six to one going to the bottom of the seventh inning, and Wiley East strikes for four. Um, in a, in a rally, so they get they have the tying run on base, and uh, obviously the momentum's on their side. But uh, Memorial again, it's their first playoff appearance, so they can't draw on experience. But uh, they're able to pull it out. I think they learned a lot from being in two close games against the Wiley East program. That's done. That's been a good a, a perennial playoff team for mm-hmm. the last decade. Um, so, uh, so nice win for them, uh, you know, and, and Frisco Heritage moved on as well. But I, I think David probably saw Heritage a lot more than I did. So, <laughs> <laughs> I saw them twice. Saw them twice this week. Was that where you wanted to go with them with your takeaway, David, talking about the Colony and Heritage, or what were you thinking? Uh, yeah, yeah, that's what I was going to kind of lead off right there. Okay. Um, yeah, um, this is a, a series that, like, you know. Obviously, uh, Heritage had the better record coming in here, but like you know, if you take a look at experience-wise, both teams are pretty even right there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the Colony—they had a, you know a couple of players you know had some you know previous playoff experience right there um, with uh, their senior Carly Goldie and then uh, Olivia Wick, their center field right there. You know, she was part of that team that went to the state semifinals over there a couple couple years ago. Mm-hmm. But other than that, like this is a team you know like there's a lot of freshmen and sophomores on the team. So like even the sophomores on the team, they didn't get playoff experience at all last year just because of the pandemic. Pandemic, yeah. So this is brand new to them. And then same thing on the Heritage side as well, too. Um, they only had, like, basically one player with playoff experience. That was Riley Luntz for the third baseman right there. And uh, so it's just going to see, like, which team just kind of can handle the situation a little bit better right there. Um, early on, it looks like, you know, the Colony was a team that was going to handle it being better. They're up 4-1 to there in, in the first game. The Colony was on their home field. You know, like, you know, if they get a couple more hits, this game could be at a little bit out of reach right there. But... Um, like just a couple of things that you know really just change the series right here. Um, uh, the colony they just they left so many base runners on there. On, like it seems like every inning they had base runners, but uh, they you know they just couldn't get that timely hit after they got four to one right there. Um, and for the series, twenty runners left on base right there. Ooh, yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. That'll that's, do it. That'll do it right there. Um, and but obviously. To have, like when you have that many runners on base, you got to give credit to the pitching staff. No doubt. Yeah, sophomore Jensen Hall right there. Like it seems like whenever like you know the the pressure got bigger right here, and like you know when Colony had the runners on base, you know she she turned it up another notch right there. So um, you know she she you know she settled down, got that one right there. Um, she didn't allow another run after the Colony got up four to one after the second inning right there. And then in the second game, you know, like you know, it was I, I think it kind of relaxed her that her team got up to a four to nothing lead right there earlier in the game. Mm-hmm. And even though the Colony had some chances to kind of get back in that game, uh, especially in the seventh inning when they had the bases loaded with two outs right there, like all they had to do is tie the get, to tie the game was to get a grand slam right there. And, and then she got a called third strike on the out, outside corner right there. So I mean credit to her um 
obviously, you know, it's it's the first ever playoff series win for Heritage right there. Um, and they, they had to do it like, you know, first of like, you know, like two of the games were actually at the Colony, even though they, Heritage got second place in their district. Mm-hmm. And going into like, you know, I was talking to Coach Tim O'Brien after the first one, the Heritage coach. He like uh, I asked him, like, uh, so you guys got they got Colony got two home games. He goes like, yeah, I'm pretty bad on coin flips. No. He goes like, I think I'm two for 30 or whatever it was. So we're just have a little bit of a laugh about that. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, obviously, you know, good stuff by Heritage. Um, one other note, you know, I think that really – change around this series is just, you know, the two home runs at Kaylee Sweezy, their sophomore first baseman, hitting that that first game. Uh, first one was a, like a like straight shot over the center field wall was a solo home run. And then the big, you know, the big the big blast was there in the in the in the fifth inning when Heritage scored six runs right there to mm-hmm. take control of that game. So, I mean, huge, you know, huge, you know, momentum, you know, you know, big relief for, you know, Heritage to get its playoff win. But um, obviously they're going to have, you know, a tough, you know, series coming up here against a Molina softball team that's only lost one game this whole season. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, you know, just the, 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 the pressure that's off them right now for Heritage of, you know, being able to win a playoff series, I think they're going to go into the series, you know, against Molina pretty relaxed. You were a, you were a busy man late in the week because you had to make a drive. What was it out to Weatherford? Yeah, yeah. Well, originally I was supposed to get Alito and cover their, like, Alito yeah. against, like, Dallas. But then the weather hit and yeah, all and, sorts of chaos. Yeah, yeah, so I had to drive just a little bit further west over there mm-hmm. just because, like, uh, uh, Weatherford just, you know, they had that artificial turf field right there. So, yeah, I had to go up there and cover Lake Dallas against Toledo. Um, unfortunately, this wasn't the, like the, the Lady Falcons day right there. Um, they got they got swept both games right there. Um, Alito had seven home runs in both yeah. of those games. I, know they're, I think they're, number, they're ranked number one in the DFW fast-pitch area poll, so makes yeah. makes sense. Though. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they're, they're sophomore. Yeah, Alito's like sophomore, uh, junior uh, shortstop, Macy Graff, who's committed to to Mississippi State, just an absolute stud, man. Really? First, first at bat, like she she's her leadoff hitter, like she hits you know line drive into a right field right there, uh, just gets a little bit out of the reach of a Lake Dallas outfielder. She's so fast, like she turns it into an inside the park, park home, home run, run right there. Wow, and that was what started off the series. That's what started off right there. Yeah, so that'll set the tone. It set, <laughs> it set the tone for sure. Yes. So. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was like uh, Lake Dallas did have a like you know like you know a bright spot there early in the second game after they were shut out in the first game. Um, Bell DiDonato, their center junior center fielder, mm-hmm. she hits a two-run home run in the first top of the first inning. So maybe maybe we thought for a minute like this this game you know like hey Lake Dallas you know they're going to turn this thing around you know they could force a game three and if they force a game three it'd be at their place right there. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, you know the bats for. Uh, for Alito, were just too much on them. Like I said, seven home runs, just contributions up and down the lineup right there. And uh, for Lake Dallas, they only had four hits in the in the two games. So mm-hmm. just a, a you know great season for Lake Dallas is their first playoff appearance since 2016 right there. And but like you know just just despite the two like you know big losses right there uh, as far as the scoreboard, you know it's going to be a team that's going to come back. You know they're going to learn from this experience right there. They only have uh, one player who's going to graduate graduate from this this team right there so uh, watch out for them next year one thing um, in last week's podcast just in previewing the softball playoffs that um you know i recall mentioning in previewing i guess five six a versus six six a was um to really kind of highlight the pitching for five six a um and like i said if you could find a district in the area five a or six a whatever that has a more potent top four top five than what you see in district five six a with alexis telford at allen um kinsey cackley with mckinney boyd rancy willis with denton guyer and then 
whoever Prosper throws, whether it's Abby Beasley or Alyssa Griffin, um, present your case to the uh, to the jury because um, after what they showed in the first round, it was um, that was kind of the big takeaway from that by district series between five six a and six six a. Five six a can freaking pitch um, in nine games, so there were nine games total um, over the course of uh, of this by district series. For those nine games, the collective ERA for five six a's pitchers was one point four five. They just allowed only ten earned runs over those nine games, and five of them came in the game Saturday between Flower Mound and McKinney Boyd in game three of their series when Boyd was kind of running on fumes. You take away that game and just focus on the other eight, that ERA drops all the way down to .82. And again, this is in the playoffs. Um, so yes, this was a, uh, it was a very, very emphatic statement by the pitchers in District 5, 6A. Um, as far as um, just some notes from these games, uh, my game uh, Thursday, I was at the uh, game one of the series between Allen and Plano. I'm asking you guys if you've ever seen a game like this have you ever seen have you ever covered a game where the winning team was no hit no no never seen it <laughs> that is um that is how allen manufactured its 1-0 victory in uh, in game one against plano um jaden blew it through a no hitter plano sophomore pitcher this is her first ever playoff game and she was um she was on fire she held in check a very very solid allen offense um but there was just this was a 0-0 gridlock heading into the bottom of the seventh and then of all things it was a throwing error on a grounder by uh, by pitcher alexis telford that was thrown wide of first base that allowed courtesy runner Maddie Slaughter to scamper around third and score the uh, the walk-off run so uh, yes game one in that series decided on an error um, then um then Allen you know looked a bit more like it's uh, like it's district champion self with a uh, with a 5-2 victory in game two um, you had a lot of defensive games in this series some really low scoring softball um, that did not apply when Prosper was on the uh, was on the diamond in their series against Marcus Prosper you know of those three teams teams that uh, that tied for the district championship in 5-6A, Allen, Prosper, and Geyer. You could argue that Prosper was maybe at least in the best form of the three because of the winning streak that they had been on. They ran the table over the second half of district, and um, and they just kind of picked up where they left off against a, a pretty solid Marcus team, all things considered. Uh, they hit over 300 as a team. They hit 17 hits, 14 total runs, three home runs, including two from uh, Maryland commit Sydney Lewis, including one that um, in the, in the, uh, the first inning in game two. Um, Elizabeth Moffat also uh, went yard as well in game one. It's now all in total uh, nine straight wins for Prosper since that loss to Allen back on March 26th. And um, they look like they're, uh, they're set up for, a, uh, for another, uh, another strong run as they were very, very emphatic in their, uh, in their two series win over Marcus. But um, probably the one that had the most eyeballs on it, especially after the way game one went, was Flower Mound and McKinney Boyd. And this series was very interesting because, again, the seeding might suggest one thing, but you look at the makeup of these teams and their styles of play, and it's not insane to think that you got what you got out of this by district series. So this one went the distance, which is notable because if you recall, Flower Mound went undefeated in District Six Six A, ran the table, and looked really good doing so, um, fourteen and zero. And then right out of the shoot, they um, they lose two zero in Game One against McKinney Boyd. And uh, before we ran into some technical issues last week, Devin, <laughs> you had mentioned though the prospect of you know if, if Boyd could just get a one gamer, and yeah. you know that's all that's always such a such a prominent storyline in the softball playoffs is those 
those coin flips. And if a team feels like, okay, well, maybe in a three-game series, things aren't going to go our way. Let's just take it. Let's just, you know what, trust the luck of the coin and see if we can get a one-gamer, and then all bets are off. And there might not be a more terrifying one-game series pitcher <laughs> than Kinsey Cackley, one of the uh, the premier strikeout artists in the uh, in the country, for that matter. She had almost 500 as a sophomore. Um, but, yes, so, you know, Flaremont had a tough go with Kinsey Cackley in game one. But then with each with each game, though, you get you got a sense of, okay, a little bit more of a comfort. And basically, Flaremont's approach in this series was to play the long game and just basically try and just wear, just wear and tear would accumulate. And then by the end of the series, you kind of saw Flaremont really shine with its depth there in game three. So after losing 2-0 in, uh, in game one, they won game two, 2-0. And ironically enough, in game one, Boyd scored its runs in the first and sixth innings. In game two, Flaremont scored its runs in the first and sixth innings. So this series was a dead heat in every sense of the term um, heading into game three, but you really saw Flower Mound's depth went out there in that decisive game. They used 14 total batters after going with Landry Harris, their star sophomore pitcher for the entirety of games one and two, they actually alternated between Harris and Abigail Jennings, who threw, you know, some stuff through, um, you know, some innings for them during district and non-district and whatnot. Um, just cause I mean, they have that sort of depth with their pitching rotation. And I mean, the result was, I think that uh, I think Boyd only had either one or two hits. Either way, they weren't really able to generate a whole lot. But then, by that same accord, you saw that the the pitch counts started to really kind of rack up with Kinsey Cackley, and whether it was needing a couple games to finally get your timing down against her, or again just the wear and tear. Cackley threw 385 pitches in this series, including 165 in Game Three um, versus just 279 for the two Flower Mound pitchers. You really saw that you know kind of show itself in Game Three is um, after Flower Mound had only uh, totaled 10 hits and two runs combined in the first two games of the series. They had uh, 11 hits and six runs in game three and a 6-0 victory. So Flower Mound was able to save face for 6-6-A as, um, you know, as if, yes, all the all the district champions advanced, the three co-champions in, um, in 5-6-A as well as Flower Mound and 6-6-A all advanced. Um, so, yes, a, um, a, fun little, a fun little start to the playoffs in, uh, in 5-6-A and 6-6-A as we now look ahead to it later this week. So um, we'll just kind of be juggling our coverage between the second round of the softball playoffs as well as the bi-district matchups over in baseball. Baseball gets its postseason rolling this week. So uh, let's um, yeah, let's just talk about a few notable uh, things to look for in our coverage area, things that we're excited for heading into the uh, the first round of the baseball playoffs. Um, David, what is something that is, uh, that is on your radar heading into later this week in the start of the baseball playoffs? Uh, there's a couple of things, but obviously you, you just want to mention one at a time. So yeah. Um, uh, let's stick with, um, the colony softball, Okay. Uh, baseball, I'm sorry. Um, they're just won their first district championship in school history mm-hmm. right there. So we're just kind of eager to see, you know, how much, you know, that momentum carries into the playoffs right there. And, you know, it's a, it's a, for the colony, you know, it's a, you know, pretty senior heavy team right there. Um, you know, they have a lot of experience, it, you know, it's a team that doesn't fa- doesn't get phased by a lot. So, you know, it's 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 good. It's going to be you know really good you know confidence booster heading into the playoffs. So I'm eager to see what they do. Um, obviously you know they got studs all over the field right there. Um, you know they're going to probably throw Devin Rayner on there, their their senior pitcher out there onto the mound right there. And all he's done this season is uh, thrown for 1.62 ERA. It's pretty good. Yeah, yeah, not too bad. 
with seven wins and 63 strikeouts. And obviously, you know, like two of their top hitters, Ryan Scott, you know, their senior center fielder who's committed to Dallas Baptist University. Mm-hmm. He said 392 for the season with six home runs and 11 doubles and all this in a leadoff role. Wow. Yeah, not too bad. And then uh, one of their another players, uh, Robert Farr, he's hitting 404, which is one of the tops in the area right there. So him, uh, their senior Christian Matthews has come up. Catcher Christian Matthews, who's, co- who's committed to Southwestern Universities, he's come up with some pretty big hits right there. Kate Irwin, um, just name it. They got they got hitters all over the field right there. Um, so you know it's it's going to be you know a good matchup for them. And the matchup that they have is against Frisco Lone Star, and it's a rematch from three years ago. Mm-hmm between these two teams when the Colony won their first ever playoff series. So, and it, it is a series that won three games that time. So uh, this is a t- you know series that potentially, you know, just based on their records, that could probably go again that way this year. Because mm-hmm. Frisco Lone Star, despite them finishing fourth in a crowded district in 9-5-A right there, they still finished with 21s on the season. That's Yeah, wow. So and the colony finished with twenty ones out there. So something's got to give in this series right here. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, like the all three games are actually going to be played in Frisco right here. So it starts Thursday. Um, game two is Friday. Game three, if necessary, is going to be Saturday at a time to be determined. Um, so um, it's like a Lone Star. You know they've had they you know they had a pretty good solid week to you know you know close out their regular season. Um, and then the colony, you know they you know they. They kind of had a little bit of struggle right before district play started, but they've come on. They came on really strong. They had two wins over Saul Lovejoy program right there. Um, so, um, and it's a colony, colony team that's ranked number seventeen in Class Five A. So, you know, if, if they, you know, if they, you know, the, especially if they can get that first one right there when Rain is going to be on, now it's going to be huge. Where is if a Lone Star, you know, can find a way to, you know, get to Rain right there, it's going to be a completely different series. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know that was uh, that was pretty impressive for the Colony because I believe there was a lot of buzz around that Lovejoy team coming into the season, especially yeah. with some of their early season results. So for the Colony to catch fire like it did in district play, nice little uh, yeah, nice little campaign for the uh, for the Cougars heading into the postseason. Yeah, uh, let's see, Devin, what is um yeah, what is something in your coverage areas that you are looking forward to with respect to the baseball playoffs? Yeah, well, just to, just to, to follow up real quick with what Dave was talking about, um, yeah, that's going to be uh, there, I think that whole first round. All four matchups are going to be interesting because two years ago, uh, only Lone Star was the only Frisco team to make it out of the first round. Mm-hmm. Even Wakeland, who was a district champion, got beat in the first round by, I believe, Lovejoy or Wiley East. I guess it was Wiley East. Um, and the other, the other thing that, that it was intriguing about 9-5-A, and just because they have so many district games they have to fit in to get them all played, uh, they played Tuesday, Friday, Saturday for a lot of weeks. Okay. So you get into the playoffs where you yeah. a lot of times need three starting pitchers mm-hmm. to go in three days. Well, a lot of teams during the course of the year, they play Tuesday, Friday. So they really basically stick to the same rotation. Yeah. And then if they get to that third game, they don't have necessarily a proven third guy. Whereas these Frisco ISD teams have had the chance on a Saturday at a necessity to kind of roll out a third starter, mm-hmm. kind of see who fits that role. Yeah. Uh, and, and so does that give them advantage? Who knows? Like I say, two years ago, Lone Star was the only team that made it out of the first round. But um, certainly something to, to watch. I think all four of those series are going to be really, really good. Um, I'm kind of keeping my eye on 9A versus 10-6A. And I, 10-6A still hasn't decided yet. So they have games today. Mm-hmm. Uh, the weather wreaked so much havoc that they weren't able to uh, get everything uh, hammered out. So while we do know Saxe is going to be playing Tyler Legacy, uh, Rowlett is in as the third seed, but they don't know their 
feature yet because Rockball and Rockball Heathers will try to determine the top seed over there. Uh, there's a chance Horn and Skyliners will try to determine the the, the fourth seed. Horn's got to sit back and wait and see if Skyline could pull the upset of uh, state-ranked Rockball Heath, which you may say, yeah, right, that's going to happen. But they already beat him in the first game of the series. So, uh, We'll see what happens later on today. Uh, but, you know, Rowlett and Saxia have been intriguing to me all season long. I think they're just solid up and down. They're not spectacular in any fashion. I just think they're solid. Uh, Rowlett was kind of, you know, geared to be the second seed on, on the last day, on Friday, the final day of the regular season with all that chaos, mm-hmm. moving parts and moving sites and whatnot. Uh, they fell victim to Lakeview. Uh, Saxia took advantage. They beat Naaman Forrest to, to jump up to that second seed. Uh, but I, I just think they're very similar. You know, Rowlett, I, Jackson Kirkup, when I saw him, I saw him pitch twice earlier this season. Uh, he didn't allow a run in any game I saw him play. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, his numbers speak for themselves. They have a good one-two punch with him and Hudson Parker. I, I think their lineup, again, nothing spectacular, but it's just solid. They're just, uh, uh, you know, one through nine, they could produce, you know, at the top of the line. But the, the bottom of the lineup can keep rallies going as well. Saxy, I think, is... They've won seven straight, so they're kind of a team that's hitting its stride. You know, Wiley went 13-1 and in that district, and the one loss was last week against Saxe. Mm-hmm. Uh, their pitching staff, uh, Nathan, Nathan Darden, uh, pitched a one-hitter against Naaman Force in, in the finale. Uh, Carson Sowell, uh, you know, p- gave, pitched a two-hitter against Wiley. Uh, Ryan Ochoa has been a – you know, they got three st- solid starters, and they got guys like Jason Scranton that come on in relief. Uh, on a regular basis, the lineup is good with Jet Creel leading off and Davis T and Jesse Ponce and Harper Howard. So, you know, it's just we'll see what happens. It's the, these Saxe and Rowlett are, are they kind of fly to the radar, so to speak, in the air in the area just because other teams continue to get a little bit more press because they have more high profile recruits. Mm-hmm. Uh, not to say that Saxe and Rowlett haven't had got D1 guys or guys that even that have been drafted into the majors over the years, but they tend to fly below, you know, a little bit beneath the radar and. and you know, Saxe, I think, is going to be a favorite over Tyler Legacy. Uh, Rattled on paper will be a, an underdog against one of the two Rockwald schools. But neither one of these teams, I think they're capable of making a run two or three rounds deep. David, you uh, had a follow-up to one of them. As you politely raised your hand oh. looking to interject. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I felt like the nice kid in the front row just trying to raise my hand right here. Yes, sir, Mr. Woolman. What would you like? <laughs> well, uh, just like it's, it's going to be real quick, just a, a, a follow-up on the, the like the colony, then the first go, you know, Matt, matchups in uh, region two right there mm-hmm. um you know whoever you know gets out of the colony lone star series uh like you know they have the chance to you know go all the way on to the third round and wedding in the third round for them potentially would be frisco wakeland wow so in frisco wakeland you know they, they're the district 95a champion so mm-hmm. just imagine if the colony or lone star just advances all that way to set up that third round matchup that'd be pretty intriguing yeah that's an interesting dynamic that you mentioned though Devin, about the the pitching aspect of that because i do think that does pay off because you have a lot of these teams that now there's you know there were teams that scheduled non-district games on saturdays mm-hmm. on occasion um but i mean to have those like but that doesn't carry the weight of a district game but it's i mean yeah to have these kids because a lot of times you got to think that when when they have to roll out that third pitcher it's a kid who really hadn't maybe in relief or mid, back during tournament season, it's not someone who's got really consistent, you know, who's been consistently used on the mound quite like someone in Frisco is, it sounds like. So, uh, yeah, that massive, these, the, the massive size of the Frisco district uh, kind of paying off in that respect. Is it, because uh, yeah, that's uh, certainly a, a very underrated element of the uh, of the best of three series is when you have that third game and everything is riding on, you know, uh, the outcome of that. And you have a kid who's, you know, just hasn't been used as much as the other two have. So it's, uh, yeah, an interesting sub, 
plot for Frisco ISD heading into the playoffs. Uh, let's see, to round this out, um, I was going to hate to be redundant, but once again, going to uh, you know fall back to uh, the subplots with 5-6-A versus 6-6-A, just because we had the, these two districts had uh, some, pretty, uh, some pretty entertaining finishes over the weekend, whereas a lot of teams wrapped up their regular seasons with no questions asked. Nice one, two, three, four, let's go on to the playoffs. Not the case in 5-6-A uh, or 6-6-A. You knew that 6-6-A was going to have a, a bit of a wild finish. You knew something was something crazy was going to be in the works. Well, a three-way tie, not a three-way tie, but a four-way tie, I should say, for third place was the uh, was the finality between this district. And you had to then start digging into tiebreakers, and it was the, the head-to-head records among the four teams involved, which were Hebron, Plano, Plano West, and Flower Mound. They all finished 7-7. Seven and seven. Um, So... Going off of that tiebreaker in the head-to-head series between those four teams, Hebron actually winds up uh, coming out all nice and rosy in this. They went from being look like kind of dead in the water two weeks ago. They were three and seven in district play, you know, with two weeks left in the regular season. But they catch fire. They do the Undertaker sit up and then uh, win their final four games to uh, yeah to all of a sudden now not only not only qualify for the playoffs but get a three seed in doing so because they had the best head to head record of the four teams that wound up tied. The um, the team that came out on the wrong end of this was Flower Mound, who had just a two and four record of those four teams tied. And Flower Mound, who, goodness, like if if you were to go back and go through game by game what the standings looked like in six six a, I don't know if there was a time throughout the schedule where Flower Mound was outside the top four. And just because you lost the wrong games to the wrong teams, they, I believe, for just the second time in program history, they're out of the play. They missed the playoffs. So uh, a tough break for the Jaguars who had been in third place. It felt like forever in that district. Um, and then you had Plano and Plano West, who kind of a mini playoff series of sorts. They actually closed out the regular season playing their home and home series, and then they split that series. And as a result, with a uh, they both had three and three records at least as part of that tiebreaker. So you got a third game in that series, a play-in game on Saturday after these two teams had already split their first two games. So almost like a mini playoff series of sorts. Um, but that wound up going to uh, to Plano, who after a really up and down stretch there um, to close out the season. And they had alternated wins and losses over a six-game stretch late in the year before getting things right on offense. They had 21 total runs in the second and third games of their series with West, including an 8-3 to victory in the play-in game. So Plano, by virtue of that win, clinches the number four seed. And then over in 5-6A, you had a three-way tie for second place. So in softball, you had Allen, Prosper, and Geyer all shared the district championship. You had those same three schools tie for second over in base. So, yeah, almost like they're pretty good at the, the stick and ball sports at those three schools. Um, so they basically sorted that out on Saturday through a mini seeding tournament. Um, you had uh, Allen and Geyer square off early in the day. Geyer won that game, and then they went on to play Prosper. Prosper won that game. So Prosper is the two seed in that district, Geyer three, Allen four. But it sets up an interesting dynamic because you're getting – Basically what I can only think of to call fake seeds heading into the playoffs. So you saw this in softball, whereas like on paper, sure, Marcus, the two seed from 6-6-A, they're playing Prosper, who is seeded third, but really Prosper is a one seed. They won that district just like Geyer did, just like Allen did, but because of the way the bra- you have a bracket. So one's got to be one, two, and three, but really you were playing a one seed. And you kind of get that same logic now in baseball, whereas you have a team like Marcus, who is the district champion from 6-6-A, they're playing Allen in the first round, and Allen is a four seed, but really they're a two seed. 
they finished tied for second, just like Prosper did and just like Geyer did. So I'm curious to see if that, you know, maybe breeds some more competitive first-round matchups than you otherwise might think looking at these, uh, at these matchups. You have Marcus and Allen. On one hand, you have Capel, the two-seat from 6-6-A, taking on Denton Geyer, uh, two versus three. And then you have Hebron, the three-seat from 6-6-A. They draw Prosper, second seat from 5-6-A. And then the last one is Plano, the four-seat from 6-6-A. They take on McKinney Boyd, who won District 5-6-A. Um, so... Again, yeah, like in, you know, going back to that Marcus Allen matchup, I mean, again, like, you know, Allen's team that finished, four, you know, as a, as a four seed tied for second in that district, but they're not far off removing from sweeping Prosper, who Prosper was ranked number three in the state at the time. So Allen's shown that they can elevate their game against a top level opponent. Now, Marcus certainly fits that bill. They have been on an absolute roll with uh, with 10 straight wins, half of them coming by double digits. Um, you know, they, uh, after, you know, kind of splitting their, you know, they split against Flower Mountain early in district and Capel is well, but then after that, they just laid waste to the rest of the district and uh, were able to get a district championship out of it. Um, you know, they, they've been on a roll. They did beat Allen back in tournament season 9-2, to two, but you always caution taking any of that, those results seriously just because teams are perhaps baseball more so than any other sport. You're just doing so much experimentation during tournament season and just trying to figure out what pitcher works where that you're, you know, it makes preseason results a little bit tricky to read into. But, you know, who knows? Maybe that could be a more competitive matchup than it might look like on paper. I'm curious to see if McKinney Boyd has another run left in the tank. Now, McKinney Boyd was, you have to go all the way back to the last time we got a baseball postseason back in 2019. McKinney Boyd was the story of the postseason. This was um, a Boyd team that was number, I believe they were third in the district heading into the playoffs, and then they wound up catching fire and had what was really one of the, like, one of the more unique, impressive playoff runs of any team that I can recall in our coverage area in recent memory. They went to the state semifinals, but if you recall the specific of that run, they beat, I believe it was four teams ranked in the state's top 20, and I believe all four of those series went three games, and Boyd lost the first game in every series. So the result was they played eight elimination games during that stretch, and they won all of them. And it was, um, I mean, it was a really, really special run for a program that just hadn't been through anything like that. They were able to get all the way to the, uh, to the state semifinals where you don't play a best of three series anymore. It's just one gamers. Now, I but I guess that'll be the case for this postseason, though, right? Because are they still doing the whole, like, the state finals are going to be the only one that are in a neutral site and everything else is kind of its own separate round. Um, so who knows? But nevertheless, though, that boy team, they um, were such a fun story during that 2019 postseason. It's a shame that, you know, they obviously didn't get a chance to build off of that last year because that was a team that was, they did bring back a lot of experience from that group, and they were primed for a, uh, for a pretty big year now. You know, but in this year, they've, they've still got talent for sure. They won the freaking district over in 5-6-A, but they've kind of flown under the radar. They were really kind of up more down than up during tournament season. I believe they were just 6-9 and nine heading into district. District, but they end up going 10-2 and two in district play. They had a stretch where they won eight games in a row, um, and they allowed only seven runs total during that stretch. Um, so the defense and pitching, rock solid. Um, you know, they, uh, they've they still got Tyler Collins, who feels like he's been at the top of their batting order forever, one of the top players in the state. Um, and then one of the, as short as the 2020 season was last year, you get to see some glimpses of a uh, you know, some promise with one of their pitchers, Ben Abelt, and he's really uh, built off of that. I don't think he lost a single game during district play. Um, so Boyd is in, a, is in a really good way heading into the playoffs after a bit of a bumpy road to begin the season. And then on the other end of the uh, of that, I'm curious to see if Prosper can right the ship. Prosper, who, again, as I mentioned, was number three in the state at one point. They, um, and that, you know, 
in part came because they had a 15-game winning streak that went that spanned an entire month. Um, but they ended up the playoffs having lost four of their last six. Um, you know, during that winning streak, they averaged close to seven runs per game. The offense just won in the tank during those four straight losses. They scored just five runs total across those four setbacks, including a, uh, a sweep at the hands of Allen. Now, they did manage to get things back on track there at the very end. They were able to get a 4-0 victory over Boyd in their district finale. And then in their seeding game, they edged Denton Geyer 6-5. to So, you know, you're starting to round into form a bit, look like the team that was, um, you know, just wrecking shop earlier in the year. They've, um, they've certainly got experience on the roster. They have 10 returning starters. Now, I guess, to be fair, that probably is mitigated a little bit by, you know, not really getting a season last year. So it's not like these guys got playoff reps or anything like that. But this is a program that does have a lot of skins on the wall when it comes to the postseason. They've been to at least the third round of the playoffs each of the past eight postseasons. So no matter the roster, I mean, it's prosper. They're always good at baseball. So there is kind of that expectation there. They've got one of the top players in the state and Chase Penley, a Baylor commit. So, um, yeah, see if they can, uh, you know, see if they can write the ship and, uh, you know, go on the kind of run that has been so commonplace for prosper over the years. Um, so yeah, just some, uh, some notes as far as the by the by district round between five, six, eight and six, six is concerned. And, um, yeah, guys, it, uh, it gets going later this week on Thursday. So, um, yeah, that is a look at some, uh, some notes in our, in our coverage area for the baseball playoffs, which begin later this week, as well as, um, some stuff on softball as, um, the stick and ball playoffs keep on rolling. So, um, yeah, that is, um, that'll do it guys. That is it for the star local media high school sports podcast. We'll be back next week, probably to pick up where we left off and, uh, do this whole song and dance one more time, folks. Until then you take care and we will talk to y'all later. Looking to hire top talent in your community? Look no further than StarLocalJobs.com. Our platform is specifically designed to connect local employers with qualified candidates in their area. With StarLocalJobs.com, you can easily post job listings tailored to your specific needs and requirements. Our platform is user-friendly and offers a wide range of options to help you find the perfect candidate for your open position. Plus, our job matching algorithm ensures that your listing is shown to the most relevant job seekers in your area. But that's not all, StarLocalJobs.com also offers a variety of resources to help you throughout the hiring process. From candidate screening to interview tips, our team of experts is dedicated to helping you find the right fit for your company. So why wait? Join the thousands of satisfied employers who have found their ideal candidate through StarLocalJobs.com. Post your job listing today and start building your dream team.